0: You're listening to Traumedy, the podcast that helps you transmute your trauma with comedy. I'm Nancy Norton. I'm a comedian. I'm a registered nurse. I'm studying therapeutic humor, and I'm a keynote speaker. I love going around sharing the power of humor with whoever will have me. And I have a lot of conferences coming up for healthcare events and... The Central California Women's Conference is coming up with Brooke Shields. Just thought I'd drop that in there. I'm pretty excited about my path these days, but most importantly, I want to be of service. It's something at this age that is more important than anything to me that I make a difference in the world. And I hope that this podcast is helping you. It's helping me. And I guess that's making a difference uh, in my family because I feel better. Let me know if there's anything you want covered on traumedy or if you want to come on traumedy. My guest this week is a listener of traumedy, and I'm so honored. Here we go it is part two with Wendy Friesen, hypnotherapist. And I did a hypnotherapy session. If I think you should go back and listen to part one. If you haven't heard part one, before you hear part two. Wendy Friesen, episode 22. This is episode 23, following up with a story that is captivating and has a surprising twist. And I want to say I did a hypnotherapy session with Wendy before my keynote in Nashville for the OR nurse managers because I struggle with going back and forth from left to right hemisphere. I love being in my, you know, creative part of my mind, the right hemisphere. But then when I try to do a keynote PowerPoint or something and I drop into the left side, it's hard for me to integrate the sillies. You may even see that on the podcast because I I struggle a little bit like, oh, I'm the clown. No, I'm a compassionate listener. I'm an educator and trying to integrate all of that. And Wendy helped me clear so many blocks and was able to step forward and just be me. If you want to work with Wendy Friesen, you can too. Go to her website. She's got all kinds of packages available. I'm so impressed. Here comes part two, the rest of the story. What happens with the wealthy client from Qatar? We're back. All right. let me Go do- ahead. <laughs> All right. Oh, welcome to Traumedy. My guest this week is part two with this amazing hypnotherapist, the hilarious Wendy Friesen. We are picking up in the middle of a story about the time she got called by a dignitary, a leader of Qatar to meet her in Amsterdam to do some sort of hypnotherapy to help him get laid. I'm curious about it. Let, <laughs> <laughs> what happened? First of all, back up just slightly, uh, just in case people are listening and didn't, and you know, yeah. didn't hear the part. Well,
1: one. there's an email. It was AOL days. That's the only way to get email. And one email that says, I want to hypnotize women for sex. Money is no object. And while my fingers go into the delete button, of course, I didn't delete it. And I thought, I want to find out what's going on. There was no name, really. It was just kind of an email address. And and again, back to the vote oh. for curiosity. Like, oh.
0: huh, I'm sort of cu- There's something in me that's curious. Yeah. And also the way you got led to hypnotherapy Th- through curiosity. You just happened to see an ad for hypnotherapy yeah. and look at. I. So that was, I just want to affirm that what you said on the first part was, about that being curious rather than just assuming.
1: Yeah. And also for me from the last episode about flying all the way to New York to be on a talk show and how I had to have the bravery and stuff to do that, even though I'd never done that. And you guys go back and listen to that episode because all of us have that courage that we constantly talk ourselves out of it. Now, every hypnotherapist who I've shared this story about this amazing client (laughs) Said, oh no, 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 you can't do that. You can't you can't go there. No, that's gonna be dangerous. That's you're gonna get kidnapped or something. So I had all the fear. Um, oh, but the coolest thing was the flight I took over there, it wasn't just first class, but there's oh. <laughs> there's there's some planes <laughs> that have this special compartment below the pilots, and you enter from the front of the plane, it like drops down and opens up, and you go in, and there's like eight beds, and they come up to me and say, what size pajamas would you like ma'am? And I'm like oh. okay, don't blow it. <laughs> what size pajamas? <laughs> I said oh, medium. Medium. <laughs> because they, yeah. they take care of everything and they make this bed for you and oh, I've never a-
0: heard of this. I have never I, I think I've only even traveled first class once and this is way beyond that. Oh my oh, gosh. Yeah. But were you scared that yeah. that compartment in itself could have been a bit of a, I don't know, an escape, you know, escape room like <laughs> or yeah. did you feel, how did it
1: feel when that, when that thing oh, opened, it, it did, you but felt, it's, you felt it's, okay. Yeah. But it's like the uh, totally out of my comfort zone. Cause I was a very poor single mom with two kids, little kids and they were always turning off my utilities and I was never Quite on top of it yet because this was in the early days of my hypnotherapy work. I was so broke, oh my god! um So I get there, and when I went into the hotel, it's a beautiful hotel, and I told the front desk, I said, "I'm here to see so and so, and I have no idea who he is, um, but I just want you to keep an eye on me, like so I don't disappear or something." <laughs> you <know>? The guys <laughs> at the front desk are kind of giggling, and he said. You know, I just, seriously, I don't know who this guy is. And they're just giggling because they know him really well. (laughs) He's a regular
0: at this hotel? Mm -hmm.
1: So he's got the entire, the very top level suite of the entire hotel that's his, whatever. So every day... Uh, He was, he is a really, really wonderful man. And every day I went up to his suite and we did hypnotherapy work for his issues of not feeling good enough and feeling inferior and not feeling like he amounts to anything. And yet he's one of the wealthiest men. He, he owns all the banks in Qatar. He's not the director of the banks. He owns all the banks. Oh my in Qatar God. which is the wealthiest country in the world
0: my my head is just shaking like ding-a-ding, ding, yeah. like a cartoon like bah, bah. Oh. I can't cannot <laughs> comprehend
1: cannot comprehend this level of wealth but okay and I didn't know that until I met him and then he said you know okay this is the deal very very nice man but he's about four foot eight four foot, nine or something. He's very short and he has some birth defects of an arm that doesn't move properly and stuff. Um, So he had a lot of insecurities. So no matter what level of success that you have, achievement, things that you have, you still have your issues as this man did and his insecurities and his unworthiness and all of that from his childhood growing up, you know, with disabilities, that was still his main thing and just didn't feel worthy. And he says, I can get laid by anybody. There's supermodels that live in my house Yeah. (laughs) all the time, but he didn't feel worthy. And I think all of us understand what that's about, right? Yes, I I get it. Mm -hmm. And you think about, wow, someone in that position that feels unworthy. And we worked on every day, we did like probably three or four hours a day. And and doing some therapeutic work it was just amazing and beautiful and right now i've got my hand on my heart because i just loved his experience so much and honored the however it was that he found me and allowed me to come and do this with him because other people wouldn't have they you know because i'm kind of (laughs) stupid like oh yeah sure (laughs) Well, and you know, I know you're, te- you're
0: teasing yourself about being stupid, but that there was a, wi- there, w- but well, there was a wise part of you that knew, you know, and this is me, I, I'm, I believe I've been having so many spiritual and psychic experiences and I have belittled myself. And again, even with my, whatever I was saying earlier, my, on the other one with the slow rise to mediocrity, when we know <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, but it's good to have, I think it's good to laugh at ourselves and our, sometimes Absolutely. we are naive. Like I was naive cool. when I went to adopt my son, I thought everybody was in the adoption business for the good of the children. What I was so Whoa. naive about some of the things that happened there. Yeah. You might've been naive, but another part of you was called, and I have my hand on my heart because I just wanted to attune with, you know, this man who oh, really, man. really want it, he didn't i mean maybe he wanted sex of course i know it's a strong drive i i don't underestimate the power of the life force but he wanted love he wanted self-love yeah. and he wanted to experience yeah. love with with, a, with another person and I, you know like i said because of um, i have known some sex addicts who who have gone to prostitutes and that is a hollow victory it is yes. not a good yes. feeling when you leave the I shouldn't say uh, for all people, but I have heard from the people I know that it was yeah. not a good feeling to leave having paid for sex. And yeah. um, maybe you got a release, maybe whatever. I don't know. I yeah. But this is beautiful. So he was able, yeah. because, uh, gosh, my friend Cody Spiker was just here coaching me on my keynote because – that's another thing I want to do hypnotherapy about. <laughs> but she was coaching me because I, I've i learned to call in resources now. Like, okay, here's my skill set, but here's where I need help. But Cody's great uh-huh. with organizing. But I was talking to her about how do we deal with these, you know, the power discrepancy between the doctors and nurses. But this goes back to what you were saying. And she drew these concentric circles because she's studying, oh, what is the name of it? Power dynamics. But She was drawn this circle about personal power. Then she drew the next circle, which was social power. Like that's where the patriarchal and the wealth and all that. And then another circle, which was, I think, a global power, community power, all this stuff. But what she pointed out to me was that people who often have status have very little personal power. And they're compensating. So – they're compensating for a lack of personal power, but it doesn't really ever satisfy.
1: Right. And, and you don't have that feeling of your status because you didn't grow up with that belief about yourself. You had all these other doubts and insecurities that kept pulling you back down to like, Oh, you're nothing. You're just a fraud. And you know, everybody thinks you're somebody, but you know, deep down you're not. And we all go through those dips in our life many times, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, it's sort of like the whole fake it till you make it. But even when you make it, you still feel like you're faking it. You know, if you're totally, so (laughs) totally. I know that one. Well, well, and that's fun to laugh at because I think, you know this whole this whole earth experience is is a is hilarious you know the roles that we play and i don't know but tell me more about this man like what was the transformation like for him after working with you
1: yeah it was pretty powerful because, um, some of the stuff we worked on was him being a child and he had one leg shorter than the other and an arm shorter than the other. So he couldn't play with the other kids and he's sitting on the steps of the palace and nobody will play with him. And so that was his upbringing was that belief. And for him to engage with that inner child and do some work on forgiveness, and that those things aren't true and bringing that love back to that. I just, oh my gosh, the experience of reclaiming your inner child. And I know that's, you know, kind of an overused expression, but to actually experience it and let that not be the pain that you're living with, but rather let it be the strength and the love of reconnecting is so immensely powerful. And so after that he kept in touch a little bit just a few emails and how happy he was and how well he was doing and he says turns out it's not about sex but you know I'll, I'll have sex sometime but I'm I'm really happy about myself and I'm really happy about my life and my position in life and everything so yeah he did really mm-hmm. good it was Just amazing. Oh my gosh. I love
0: hearing that. And I'll bet you the ripple out, I mean, I'm just guessing the ripple out effect from that is that he treated women better and he treated himself better and treat other people better. Cause when we love ourselves and this is something to, to me, it's kind of interesting with the patriarchy too. Is it, is that when people abuse their patriarchal (gasps) privilege, is that part of them compensating for that exiled child, that part of them, the inner child, that, that felt powerless and that powerlessness that all of us have felt. I mean, all of us, when we came into the world, were very dependent on our parents and depending on how they gave love. And most of us got conditional love. It's just the way they learned it, the way it's been taught. So there's always, we're all terrified of abandonment, you know?
1: Conditional love. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And our parents didn't know. And we've got to understand that it wasn't that they were trying to damage us, but they didn't know because they didn't feel loved. They had no training or anything in their life that was about being loved. Like, you know, my mom and dad probably had over 10 children in their families. So their parents didn't have any time or energy for them. They had to work on their own farm because that's the only way they got food and on and on. So there wasn't anything to give them that self-worth. But one of the one of the sessions I did with his inner child thing was after we were done with the session, he says, I loved that little boy. It's not okay. I'm not allowed to love myself. And I was like, Oh my God, that's the belief in their culture is that you can't love yourself. Mm -hmm. But he loved that little boy that was him. So we got past that where it was okay for him to love himself, but he had to hear it from something that wasn't his. Cultural beliefs and royalty, and everything that was you don't love yourself. So, isn't that interesting how we have a lot of beliefs about ourselves from our childhood that we're not lovable or that we're bad or mistakes we've made, marriages that have you know, everything? And we've got to get back to that connection that we do love ourselves, that we are absolutely okay and lovable and worthy. (laughs) And it's a big journey, you know, and I know, because you know, as women. We, we're we climbing out of a really deep, dark experience of being raised by our parents. <laughs>
0: right. In this culture. And I, I, I just got a nugget from you that I, I just want to take it in that belief that it's bad to love yourself. And because yeah. it's not the kind of ego love, it's not the narcissistic kind of love, which narcissism, you know, we know is the falling in love with your own reflection or how I look to people or, you know, what what it appears. But it's the deeper, the actual self-love that softens you and makes you more compassionate and have more empathy and have more connection. I can connect with your heart because I can connect with my heart. And it's totally different than that narcissistic kind of love. Totally. I mean, it's absolutely probably opposite of it. Because narcissism wow. is compensating, right? Narcissus right. was compensating right. for self-hate or I don't know. I don't know yeah. mythology. I didn't do my homework. <laughs> but I know of <laughs> well, it. <laughs> if you're
1: if you're going around bragging about all of your, you know, conquests or building them up or something, that's, that's the thing we don't want to do. We can still um, – inspire people to be better. And, you know, the things I talk about, they could come out as bragging, but they're also coming out as inspiration. I believe that I want all of you to think bigger or to let go of what you thought you were and go ahead and take some chances and find out what it's like to be the person you want to be, no matter how scary it is. Um, Because breaking through that is such a huge accomplishment. And right now my mind is flashing back to one of the first things I did in front of an audience. It was at the community center. And I had never spoken to a group before. And it was only like, I don't know, 15 people that showed up or something. I was so terrified. (laughs) Yeah, public speaking, number one fear. Yeah, because I was unworthy. I was in my mind a nobody, and I had no idea that I knew something that people would love. And if you find that out about yourself, of what you have that is a special gift that people will love, it is a transformational in your life, and (laughs) and you can continue to grow it from there. But you have to experience it and put yourself in some scary situations to get past it.
0: Yeah, and what I'm taking in too the the trying to finesse this idea of celebrating celebrating victories without you know because like when i say over and over i won the boston comedy festival now
1: <laughs> <laughs> the reason right on high
0: five <laughs> yeah but and yeah but and but i often will say it took me 30 years to do that because one of the reasons is well, obviously that's a lot. I mean, I've ten thousand hours. That's I did the. T- I, I kept telling myself, Nancy, you've done the ten thousand hours. Get the ten thousand dollars, but <laughs> I I which I did right. I, and it helped it helped me. I fed my family. But man, there has been this part of me that. Was, I always was a choker. I, I, I just, like I said, it was all about, I, I'm not good enough. I, I don't have a right to tell people this. My mother told me I shouldn't be talking. I, all these self, this whole self-doubt, all the doubt and shame. And so I'm very proud that I, whatever it was, that I was able to allow myself to do my best when it was on the line. You know, and, and I really yeah. was all I wanted. And this is, you know, since I was a kid, I wanted to be on The Tonight Show. And I never did manifest that, but I, I wanted one last chance at that. There's still a little kid in me that I
1: I have to cry a little bit. Like right now I feel sad.
0: Like that four year old is sad.
1: But yeah, because and being so unworthy of that, that is at the core of this. Yeah. That you don't deserve it. But there was a
0: knowing in me that that is my purpose. And I knew it when I was four. And it was like I was watching the tonight show going, I will do that. And I and in Springfield, Missouri, there was no like path. And you know, the path I took was what my parents taught me, which my dad my dad was an artist and my mother but he ended up being a salesman. He wanted to be a musician. That makes me cry for him, and he was a gifted, okay, i got to have a tear, but he was a gifted, gifted (sighs) musician, like that guy could pick Uh. up any instrument, and you talk about intuition, he could play, you hand him anything, it doesn't even matter if it even existed before, he could find the music (laughs) in it. Wow. And and his voice, his voice was beautiful. I will play a clip of him on here. Oh man, I'm so sentimental. You know, I just, uh, I feel really vulnerable sharing that my little four-year-old was crying and that my dad, and I would like, I want to say daddy because I was in such a young place when I was recording this podcast. My dad, I have this recording I made of him in 1972 at a Christmas service at Messiah Lutheran Church in Springfield, Missouri. And my dad loved singing. So that's really the main reason I think we went to church. And I was sitting next to the organ with my little tiny tape recorder holding up the microphone as high as I could, although I picked up a lot more of the organ music. And uh, insert your organ jokes here. Okay, uh, let's see. So here's my dad. I'm just going to play a snippet right here. okay, I just love his voice. He just has an amazing, there's an emotion behind it. There's just a tenderness in there. It's just a place he could let himself emote, in my opinion. And if you want to hear the entire Go Tell It on the Mountain, I'll, I'll put it on at the very end of the podcast if anyone is uh, wanting to hear the whole song. It's about a two-and-a-half-minute song, and it's more of a Christmas song. But I just thought, hey, I'll put it on here and if anyone wants to hear it there it is it'll be at the very end of the podcast but my dad did not get to fulfill his heart's desire yeah of being a musician and he had kids and he's like oh I had to decide he had a sponsor it was a banker who wanted to sponsor him going on the road and he said no I have kids I've got to buy bunk beds (laughs) so he went he went and did the security thing which was become a chemical salesman McKesson Mm -hmm. chemical that all, you know I'm part of the problem anyway (laughs) they fed my family (laughs) and then you know my mother was a nurse so I was an art major for like two years my dad had a BFA he also was a fine artist he was an amazing painter but my dad's true self was an artist that's so wild to me and then he became a salesman But then my mother, um, you know, always wanted to be a nurse and was a very good nurse. But anyway, my point is this. Man, I knew that from a young age. And I just had to grieve just now with you because I did not fulfill that. Um, But I trust my path. I I think that could have, who knows, my ego would have got so reinforced. I... (laughs) It's probably, I do trust it's for the highest good that I want to talk about now being of service. And as there's such a shift in my life path right now about wanting to use my skills for the highest good. And yes, my ego's still in there. Yes, I love the accolades. I love when we're laughing together. I love when people say you're so funny or,
1: you know, (laughs) I, you know, I,
0: I, there is this little kid in me that still loves that feeling special. Oh,
1: absolutely. Well, especially sounds like your background and mine are kind of similar with the unworthiness and being ignored and not given any kind of life direction or anything. And we had to figure it out for ourselves. So it's good to be proud of ourselves right now. And it doesn't mean we're egotistical. It means that we're proud of what we have achieved without anyone helping us just by our own grit and it's really important to you know, give ourselves a lot of credit. Yeah, for give what us credit. Yeah,
0: and, and the beauty of trusting your inner voice, trusting that inner voice that, that led you to that article, your inner voice that led you to hypnotherapy, that led you to different people, that you got on such a big platform that I know I mean, I'm excited about the transformation that you are still creating in the world with your work. Yeah. I, it's amazing, yeah. Wendy. So thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah, I just need to, yeah. I, and I'm one of those people that I, yeah, whatever it is, my feelings are pretty immediate, and yeah. I just let yeah. them move. I do, and and yeah. yeah. So it's, when I went to Boston, I was just practicing to do four and a half minutes under pressure because uh, the last time I was on television, I felt like ah, I I was okay, but I knew my mm-hmm. muses were. I couldn't access my muses as well as I wanted, and I And I also, the uh, talent coordinator for the Colbert Show was, oh. yeah, she was supposed to be, oh. or she was supposed to be the judge for the finals, yeah. but she didn't show up. But the point, um, yeah, that's all I was going to say. That's why I went there. Was just maybe I could get on the fulfill this like bookend this whatever started at four I years can just old.
1: Yeah, let that go. But I can let it go for people who are listening, and from what you're saying. Um, whatever your fear is just remember that to get past it the main thing is go into the future an imaginary future you know while you're relaxed eyes closed and plant yourself in that future when it's already happened that like wow I'm on stage on tv and people love what I'm saying and doing and whatever it is or I'm you know in this I'm helping festival. people
0: I'm helping people yeah. love
1: themselves and Right. So then your brain has a memory, which is the same as real memories of your past, but it has an imagined memory that holds this power that says, oh, I've already done this. I was really good and people loved me. And a false memory is really helpful to get you to really own that belief and be able to follow through and not chicken out. And be really good at what you're doing, no matter what it is you're getting ready to do, especially for people who are getting ready to go on stage and speak for any event. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you want to you have the memory in your brain that you already did it. The audience loved you. They're all clapping and happy. And you're like, wow, I totally nailed that. So you want that memory to be solid because your subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between a real and an imagined event. Just remember that it doesn't know the difference. We do consciously know the difference, but if our subconscious doesn't know, it already is believing that, wow, this already happened. <gasps> yeah, I yes, love yes, this, yes, Wendy.
0: Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. That's a huge gift to me and everyone listening. Because what's is. the opposite of that is when we put out our, our fear and we rehearse our fear, which is something I had done in the past when I had bombed on so many competitions. I mean, cho- I used to call myself a choker, a choker instead of a joker, right? I choked and I would just throw it And I and I still sometimes every now and then I can let my fear get ahead of me. And then that's the same power, right? If that's in my subconscious and I'm seeing people yeah. judging me or saying, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have that fear. Uh, but then, um, so what do you do? How do you redirect? Like, because, you know, don't think of a pink elephant. How do you redirect, <laughs> you know, how do you redirect from a fear to a positive thought? Is there, a, you have right. any tips for that? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this is really important because if you think about your brain being like a search engine and you're going to get ready to jump on stage to do something or, or an interview somewhere, whatever it is, your brain is searching for something that matches the emotional experience that you're expecting, which is I'm going to totally lose it. I'm going to be humiliated. I can't do this because I'm not worthy and it's going to access all these things. So your brain doesn't have the experience of it already having happened. And that's the problem is your brain is a search engine, you know, and we're only searching for all those failures because those are the deepest seated emotions and the most, you know, the emotions that have the most power. So the more you do it, which is basically just closing your eyes, imagining, and I like you to go into the future and go into several points in your future where you've already accomplished this. So this biggest lesson for me when, like I said, I was a single mom and I didn't have any money. (laughs) Yeah. Oh boy. So, uh, what I did and I was a hypnotherapist and I was, you know, struggling, but getting there, I took myself on a path in my mind. Um, just by myself, I was walking on this path through a beautiful forest and going into the future. So, I'm taking myself a month into the future, six months in the future. And on this path, I didn't know what to expect, but I just decided that I will plant myself in a point in this future. It's like kind of like a timeline where I've already been very successful at this, even though I didn't believe it consciously, I did it anyway. Mm. So I ended up, this is kind of the short version. Um, No, you don't
0: have to do the short version. I was actually (laughs) kind of doing hypnotherapy with you. I was just sitting here with my eyes closed, seeing this path. I mean, I'm in it. I don't know. I just don't want you. Don't feel rushed.
1: Okay. So on this path, you know, you're, you're going into like one month in the future and two months and six months in the future. And for me, at one point, this big, horrible, awful brick wall came up and stopped me, that I couldn't keep going. And I thought, wow, this is really weird. And I was just by myself doing this on my own. And I asked that wall, why are you here? And the wall said, I'm your father. Oh, and... And it was about all the things that I felt about not being worthy, and the boys and the family got so much more handed to them and so much more attention. And women were unworthy. And that wall was that whole message that you can't go any further or farther, whichever one's <laughs> I got to do i so,
0: got I gotta do the joke right here. De- Deacon Gray just popped in. He's an angel on the other side. And he he used to have a joke, and here it is. For it fits so perfectly. For literal distance, it's farther. For figurative distance, it's further. And for emotional distance, it's father.
1: Oh, Oh. (laughs) got it. I'm going to play English lesson. Okay, back to
0: you. So this brick
1: wall, and you're having feelings. You're having feelings
0: right now that hurt so much. Yeah, that's a deep wound.
1: Yeah. The breakthrough, though, is just as emotional of taking that wall down and just smashing the fuck out of that wall and getting it down. So then the path was there in front of me, wide open, beautiful nature and everything else going all the way to one year in the future. And in the process of taking that wall down, it wasn't so much anger as my father didn't know any different. He grew up in a world where men were valued and women had babies, whatever. And he just didn't know any better. And I got that message so loud and clear. So I went to One Year in the Future. And at One Year in the Future, apparently, I had written a book. And there were, like, all these people in my vision that had bought my book and they were really liking it. And I was like, that's really weird. But it's okay. Just, you know, just stay with it. And I had, at that point, made a million dollars in sales of my audios, and stuff that I was selling online. I didn't really have much, but that was my vision, right? And all these people were so grateful. And I can still see it right now. This was 30 years ago, and it's still crystal clear. So then I floated back into the present moment, bringing with me all the things that I learned consciously, subconsciously, whatever. And this is a process. The timeline thing is a real process that's life-changing. Came back to the present moment with it. And again, I was a single mom with barely a pot to piss in, but I was, you know, I was hanging in there. One year later, to the week that I had experienced this, one year later, I had made a million and like $50,000 or something. It was like sales were just over a million dollars.
0: Oh, my gosh. I have to, cl- I'm going to do this. I don't have the, I got to put on my sound. I don't know if you can hear it, but I have a sound machine. There. Okay. <laughs> you manifested it almost to the dollar. I mean, like yeah, one million and fifty thousand. That's incredible and
1: inspiring. I, I just want to be with it. Wow. Yeah. And I had also went after this, ex- the hypnosis experiment experience, I had put a little post-it note on the monitor of my computer that said one million or more by that date, whatever it was, let's say June or something. So it was sitting there the whole time. What happened was that I did things differently because I saw that post-it note every day and I knew that, okay, this is really impossible. This can't, you can't really, you know, make things like that happen, but who knows? We'll see. But I did things differently. I took more chances. I, I, started a weekly group that met every week and it turned into like 40, 50 people every week that I was speaking to. So I got over my fear of speaking and whatever it was. And, oh, the other thing in that vision was I opened the door to my beautiful house because apparently I had Mm. bought a house at that point in the future. And it wasn't. I'm buying a house. It was, I opened the door to my beautiful house, and in my mind, I had gone in and done cartwheels all over the house. Huh? <laughs> I still remember. I this. love it. <laughs> and in that same week, that was that one year in the future, I was handed the keys to this beautiful, brand new house in a beautiful neighborhood, and it was mine. And against all odds, I. Oh. open the door to my beautiful house because those words were there. So Nancy, you know, so many people don't have those words cemented in. They haven't taken any time to think, what could I do instead of feeling hopeless and scared and fearful and nothing's worked out and living with all my mistakes of the past. But we got to we've got to get to where you have a different belief so that when you think about the future, your brain goes to like, oh, yeah. I I got a house coming out. <laughs>
0: yes. And I know that needs to happen on a subconscious level to yes. really transform it. Cause like, uh, right. We know right. that we just, we cannot talk our way out of certain trauma experiences and survival traits. And that's where I feel like with my mom, my brick wall was built more by her than my dad, which feels like a deeper betrayal in a weird way. But mm-hmm. I know it wasn't. It was her way. She survived this way. She thinks I should survive the same way. But all of a sudden I pictured on your on your desk a brick with like gold lettering. Thank you, Dad. <laughs> you did your best. You know, yes. where? Yes. how do we dismantle those brick walls with, well, now my parents are dead. So there's, I have a lot of liberation because of it because it mm-hmm. was in they it was insulting to them and i think even threatening to them that i am tr- living my life's dream because how dare they, they it, it's kind of a harsh reminder that they didn't get to live their life dream my mother shamed me so deeply for being a lesbian oh, when I was oh with boy. women. Now I don't identify as a lesbian. <laughs> I was fired as a lesbian. Anyway. You fired? I was fired.
1: <laughs> Who's in charge of firing les- <laughs>
0: My ex. She fired me. I got fired by the whole lesbian community. Now, I I mean, it's a joke, but it's kind of true. She had a lot of minions. There were a lot of lesbians hating on old Nance because I threw a guitar, and that is like that is the lesbian that is like the lesbian uh what is it they're one of their uh spirit guides you know like folk music mm-hmm. anyway i know i'm digressing but the point is like yeah uh how do we dismantle because my mother i think i think had a secret love for a former nursing school student uh student like when she was a student and because she would talk about this woman and light up when she'd talk about Rudy. Oh, Rudy. Oh, Rudy. And when Rudy oh. died, you know, my mother loved my dad. But I, there was something that she had for Rudy. And it's just like how – but – The shame of being a lesbian, the shame that she felt that she couldn't honor that love. And I, again, I'm making this up. My family, if they hear this, they probably don't listen to my podcast anyway. (laughs) It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's my own experience, okay? I'm guessing. I don't know for sure. But my point is, why else would she so vilify my lesbianism? Why would she try to kill herself when I am coming out on Evening at the Improv? You know, she literally did an overdose and wrote me a suicide letter telling me what a cruel daughter I was. Oh my. Literally. Oh my. I still have the letter and I need to do a ceremony with it. Yes. But but I'm saying when you took down that brick wall, because you know, your dad put it there thinking he's helping you. And, and it's an, it's like, you know, in the Bible. And if you grew up in that family, honor your mother and father, honor thy mother and father, you know, and you're, you're dishonoring him in a way by taking down the brick wall, but you're honoring yourself And I remember saying these words to my mother when her best, one of her best friend's son, he changed his last name because he is a guardian of the forest. And he changed his last name to forest because he's a beautiful, lovely earth guardian. And she said, how do you think that makes his parents feel that he got away, took away the family name? And I said, well, mom, what's more important to honor yourself or your parents? And she paused hmm. for so wow. long. She, and she went, Aww. she goes, Well, that's a rock in a hard place. <laughs> and I thought, Sure as shit is. Ooh. But do you know what yeah. I'm saying? How do we dismantle uh, these survival traits that were taught to us with yeah. good intentions? But, Wendy, how do we dismantle loving? blocks like those
1: were blocks that were put there with love <laughs> yeah it's um most of it is and in my experience and working with so many people who are you know they don't even realize that they're still holding on to those old beliefs and what like what you experienced and just described um, we can ask uh, to forgive the person but sometimes that doesn't sit well because How can I, you know, how can I forgive my parent who sexually abused me or did this or that and whatever? Um, But it's accepting that that's what happened and that doesn't mean less about you and who you are and what you deserve. And just knowing that that experience can, like if you're doing it on my timeline kind of situation and you're there imagining your parent being there, (laughs) that we can release them from that. Now, the phrase that I like is that they were doing the best they could. And this sometimes makes me kind of teary because, you know, my mom grew up on a farm where they only had outhouses in Canada in the winter. And all the kids had to work and work on the farm all year long. And my dad grew up in Canada in the same way. We look at they didn't know any better. No one taught them. No one helped them learn to be a loving parent. They were absolutely on their own with no one giving them that love. So they didn't know what it was like and they're trying to do better. Um, And then the big statement for me is they did the best they could (sighs) because that's when they knew better, they did better, but When they were raising us, they did the best they could. They just didn't grow up in the, you know, leave it to beaver household. Yeah. And so understanding that nobody taught my mother or father how to create a loving, you know, tight family that felt worthy or full, valuable or anything. They learned that, hey, you know what? You're just one of 12 children and whatever happens, happens. But get back to work and, you know, go tend to the farm. So we need to forgive, but it doesn't mean that we're making it okay. It doesn't mean that they were right in doing that. It means we understand and release them with love because they were doing the best they could. Once we get to that point, oh my gosh, it's just, I don't have to blame them. Yes,
0: (laughs) I That's so beautiful. In my recovery program, we say we do not blame or shame our parents because in some ways yeah. we have become them. And I do, like I said, I have to make amends to my son quite often when I hear that or feel that shame energy come through me. And it's just like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but I had a, what do you think of this image of, I'm picturing, because I'm, I'm I am I want to do this um, hypnotherapy or I don't know if it's called hypnotherapy, but this imagery that you brought up. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to do uh, that and walk that path and that brick wall, I'm just saying, (sighs) can I take each piece and say, thank you. You did your best and actually take it with gratitude. Like,
1: because there are,
0: you know, sometimes when you have something to push against, like I have, I have gratitude because the tension between my mom and I, uh, you know, you were saying you're kind of ignored. I didn't let my mom ignore me. And I was in her face all the time telling her, you don't love me. This is my earliest memory, like three years, three and four years old going, you don't love me. And her going, don't say that. And she, instead <laughs> of, she wouldn't say I love you. She would tell me, don't oh. you say that. I'll give you something to cry about. You know, she would say stuff like that. And, uh, but we had this very, like, fierce But she gave me something to push against. And then I became the family clown. I was whatever that was. Maybe because I was a boy in my past life, I still had the entitlement. (laughs) I don't know. I just, whatever it was, I used my voice. And um, I did make people laugh. And that's how I got, that's the closest to love. You know, that and an argument. I love a good argument too. So (laughs) I would argue with my mom. That was the closest thing to love with her. I would also... Do you, does that sound familiar? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh
1: cause at least you're getting something. You're yeah, getting interaction. You're you getting know. some oh.
0: passion. And then, uh, you mattered in that moment. Like at least I mattered enough that I was irritating her enough to go, go to your room, you know, even if, even if that, it was like, Oh, oh you got
1: attention. Yeah. yeah you or, got some attention. Or what and... about,
0: what about those of us who have a bit of a, uh, I, I used to have this thing, I, I, you know, I went to an SM workshop one time. I just say uh, the spanking thing, like that being spanked felt like love. So it was like, oh, "Oh, that's, yeah, I know. Well, a lot of people have a spanking fetish, you know, and that, I wonder if kids today have timeout fetishes, like, ooh, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Put me on timeout, please. (laughs) Ooh, how long's my timeout? Mm, I'm getting so turned on. Okay. (laughs) Okay, Wendy. But, but, you know, I was just thinking about that brick, though. I love, I'm going to. I have, my grandmother embroidered a uh, doorstop brick cover, and I'm going to go get a brick. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do a ritual around yeah. what you just shared with me, and I'm going to take yeah. each brick, and I'm going to say, thank you. I Aww. You did your best. Aww. Thank you. This worked for you. This is not mine. Yeah. This wall is not mine. This wall is right. yours. Right. This wall is yours. Yes. Thank you for yeah. building it. For me, but I don't need this anymore. Thank right. you. Like how does yeah. that feel? Does that
1: feel weird that's, to yeah, have gratitude? Absolutely. Yeah, you've got it. You definitely got it. So one of the things that I like to reinforce for people is that whatever you experience from that vision of your mom or your anybody's parent is that they can't give you what they don't have. And that's exactly what we've just been talking mm. about if they my parents weren't brought up with attention or love. And that wasn't even a topic, you know, it wasn't how do I love myself more and how do I build self-esteem? None of that was an issue. So they can't give you what they didn't have and what they don't have now. And that's where we can forgive them because they didn't have those tools or that awareness or that, you know, self-love or anything. So for everybody listening, you know, just keep remembering that all the trauma that you have from your childhood, They can't give you what they don't have. And that's where bringing down that wall turned into forgiveness on my part. Um, And then looking at what my father inspired me to do without me even knowing. And I spend all this time being angry about all this. And now looking at the reason I'm where I'm at in my life is my dad was an amazing example of just grit and he's going to accomplish things even though he has five kids he's still going to hit the road every summer and go to these fairs selling the glass blowing that our whole family had to make these stupid trinkets and he did that and no training from anybody and of course he didn't have you know self-esteem or self-worth growing up he had nothing to base it on but he created an amazing business where child labor luckily he had he would set up a booth in these malls first we were at fairs all summers but then he would set up a mall at christmas and have a booth in the middle of a mall that sold the glass blowing stuff but with five kids he had taught us all to be little entrepreneurs and he would send each of us to a different mall to manage a booth and i learned a lot i was a teenager but and i was in charge of all this um but it was fine. Wow, but so we, you learned these we,
0: skills. Did you also do the art, the glass blowing or
1: oh yeah. Oh yeah. We had to yeah, we had to we had these hollow swans that you put colored water in, like you know. Oh
0: they're beautiful. <laughs> I've seen those. Yeah. <laughs> I had to blow
1: a lot of swans. <laughs>
0: Ah, there's there's there it is there's the tromity we've been looking for. <laughs>
1: but then my honk, little I feel self, honk if you like to blow swans. <laughs> yeah. I think I was probably 16 or 17 and I can remember this one mall in Jacksonville, Florida that I was in charge of. My dad wasn't there cuz he set all the mall things up and he did his own but I had to be in charge of everything, <laughs> and for some reason, I wanted to make glass penises. So, <gasps> <laughs> for some reason, for some unknown reason, <laughs> so I made Dude, really that sounds lights. beautiful. You made do- three you made inches.
0: Th- little... I still have
1: one. <gasps> but anyway, I would make these like the penises were erect, and they were sitting on the two balls, kind of. So then I put them out on the counter for people to see. I don't know what I was thinking at the mall. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I'm loving this. There's this whole, like we had mirrors. All the glass went onto mirrors because it made them look better and sell better. Yeah. And so here I am, 17 years old, and <laughs> I got these penises. And so there's these cops, these mall cops that would come by every day and chit chat and whatever. And they'd look at these penises, <laughs> shake their heads. And finally, um, after a couple weeks of that, they came by and they said, we finally figured it out. And how we can arrest you. What? And they said, they were joking, but they said, oh. it's fellatio. It's fellatio by proxy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> a glass blower. Oh, boom. But I'm making penises. It was hilarious. They were just, they didn't. But
0: that's, you had me scared for a minute because I thought, you know, <laughs> I,
1: I mean, in Springfield,
0: Missouri, you could get arrested for, for having penis. Where were you? Where,
1: what town were you in at this time? That was Jacksonville, Florida, horrible city.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, sorry if you're in Jacksonville, but we're not a fan. (laughs) We're not a fan of your town or your state. I'm personally, I'm going to speak for myself, but (laughs) I mean, I love parts of it. Let's not throw the whole state out with the horrible. It was a
1: lot. It had a lot of crime back then. It was really bad. Like my dad had built these booths that the facade of them was vinyl. So they were really light and you could take each section down and pack it away. But while I'm sitting on my torch, doing my thing, I'm seeing this hand going through the front of the booth into my cash box. And Uh, it was some kid who cut, uh, slit the uh, vinyl. And he was (laughs) taking money out of my cash box. And I very quietly just turned my torch off and walked very slowly around. And I almost got that fucker. I uh, ran uh, through the mall. uh, uh, him. oh god damn
0: it i was like leave the torch on
1: (laughs) so jacksonville and then the it was christmas eve and i had to drive back to boca raton where my family lived and i had everything personal packed into the car to leave as soon as christmas eve was done um and i go out to my car and the windows are all busted and everything's stolen out of my car (laughs) so
0: that's jacksonville <laughs> welcome to jacksonville everybody well the, yeah. yeah when you ha- yeah when you have that level of experience it's hard not to associate it with the whole like that name but so yeah. but but your dad taught you the these skills that at the time of course is not you you're like ah i have to go sell uh glass yeah. swans and and cocks <laughs> i love that you made those on your own so you were doing you were glass blowing in the mall you were doing it live you would make stuff for people that's so cool so your dad didn't know you had these you had these phallic objects on the (laughs) that is hilarious and sitting i can just see him so pretty just sitting on one of those octagonal (gasps) octagonal shaped you know mirrors you know that you can get stuff on oh
1: they were very small though they were just like three inches maybe they were tiny they weren't like yeah I was gonna say
0: well no well for some people that could be
1: (laughs) (laughs) that's who I have I have
0: been putting it out to the loving universe that I'm looking for a man with a a a feminine heart and a very small penis because that is all I can accommodate at this point in my (gasps) life so hey any... <laughs> but
1: have you ever have you ever been with a man with a micro penis
0: uh no but I've been with well, you him... haven't been with
1: men really but... I had
0: no no I have no my last okay. uh partner was I I had a boyfriend for five years but he yeah. did not have a micro penis and it, it was very painful um yeah the other thing <laughs> but yes I have I've been with hmm. a man with a very very small penis I was a fan um but <laughs> I've also been with women <laughs> so uh anyway I'm I don't know. It just depends on what our needs are. But I want to do hypnotherapy with you. I have so many sessions lined up for us. (laughs) I mean, I need to do (laughs) sex therapy. Well, I have so much sex shame. And like I was saying um, back in the day, I'm just now doing, you know, have self-love. And what's up for me with my psychedelic trauma therapy, I just did an integration session. And she reads back to me things that I said under the influence of a lot of psilocybin she was like, let love, I need to, I want to be a lover. I want to be a lover, Uh, not just someone that's doing mutual usury, having sex. I want to have a full uh, sex love relationship. And I think there's a part of my belief, there's some sort of whatever. I think my pelvic floor needs to relax. I need to do hypnotherapy to allow myself to be loved fully and not, Yes. Be in pain. I'm in pain with sex with men and I'm anyway, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to go into my whole thing, but I'm putting it out there. These are things you could help with. I bet.
1: Do you do? Absolutely. And because my dad became, um, he, he, once he was done with the glass blowing thing he went to San Francisco to get his doctorate in human sexuality and then I was living in San Rafael so after classes I would go meet with him and he'd tell me what he learned in school. Wow, so he really went want, from to, wait you know? he went
0: from being a preacher to like
1: studying sex hum- therapist yeah wow and that's a times that's a journey that's a journey <laughs> right came- there. <laughs> no he came back from his class and we met in San Rafael at the restaurant to, you know, have dinner or whatever. And since he was a preacher, he had a pretty loud voice, but we're sitting there at a table and he's telling me what he learned in school today. (laughs) 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 He said, they have a big screen and they had a whole vulva up there and we were looking at it and everybody's like listening in the restaurant. (laughs) 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 Don't tell me what you learned in school. (laughs) While they're eating. I mean, some people I can
0: you know, look at a vulva and enjoy their meal at the same, visually, uh, <laughs> some people can't, uh, that's so wild, funny, but that's oh, an interesting, gosh. well, what an interesting yeah. juxtaposition preacher to, yeah. From
1: sex preacher's therapist. daughter. Yeah. Mm. So that was, that was good for him though. Cause then he freed himself from all the constraints that he had from his childhood, you know, of that sex is sinful and that you only do it for procreation on it. So he freed himself from that, and he counseled people on how to have a guilt-free sex life and to enjoy their sexuality. Unbelievable. Which was like, okay, did that help Dad, you then? Did you that free to- you up? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. There's still a boundary. Yeah. We, our parents, it's never fun to, yeah, think yeah. of them as sexual beings sometimes, although that's how we got here. But what, yeah. Yeah. What did that what help that. you? Did that liberate your sexuality or get a rid little. of some, some yeah. of it? Yeah.
1: You know, little, little by little. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff that um, held me back from being able to really enjoy the experience of sex. And I don't know how far back I learned it, but there was a lot of stuff that took me a few years to get past. And um, a lot of it was the hypnotherapy again of the sexual nature. Because I make a lot of recorded sessions that are about you feeling really worthy of pleasure and sexual experience and heightening that experience. Um, for men to not have impotence, for them to be able to last as long as they want, but to be really connected with their partner. Mm. So it's more than just a sexual experience. And, uh, oh, man, but I learned so much of that from my dad. So thank you, Dad. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Dad. Uh, To have fulfilling sex. And I'm of an age
0: where part of me is going, well, should I just let it go? You know, I'm postmenopausal, I'm taking estrogen and testosterone, you know, to, cause I'm non-binary mm-hmm. anyway. I'm like, I, but seriously, there's a, <laughs> but I think because I haven't had that fulfilling experience yet, I'm not, I'm not ready. I feel like there's a part of me might physically going, Nance, why don't you just let that ship sail?
1: Yeah. <laughs> a, it'd because be a, you got, <laughs> you got stuff in, in your subconscious that's still keeping you there back in that, you know. Um, belief system yeah
0: well in a desire it's a desire that I had that didn't get fulfilled to have the sexual spiritual emotional uh, connection with a person like I haven't fulfilled that there's something in me that feels like that's a birthright that before I hang up my my sexy panties (laughs) before I hang up my sexy panties (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. What are your th- are What are your thoughts about, like, I know there's, like, there is, there are changes in w- some women after menopause are still sexual. Some women aren't. I don't know. And then men are through their
1: whole life. They have testosterone, although it fades if they're yeah. not supplementing it. I don't know. Do you have any? I- well, you know, the men definitely have a harder time with getting erections and stuff, you know, a little later in life. And for women it becomes a little more difficult or, We have enough past experiences that like, okay, you know what? I'm done with that or something. We make a decision that that's not important. And it is important. It's critically important. I have a lot of sessions that are for sexual health for men and women because I had uh, the book that I wrote is Hypnotize Your Lover. And in that book, there's a whole bunch of things that are about sexual dysfunction and not being worthy of pleasure and things like that. So it's not just like how to, you know. Pop a boner or whatever, but I got very bold about it. I got a lot of publicity for it um, because I was bold enough because of my dad sitting in a restaurant talking about vulvas and penises and stuff. Yeah. I thought,
2: okay.
1: So I I started working with people in person, one on one, for sexual issues, and it was really rewarding because it's such a big part of our lives. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then. I had um, an email from a guy that said, can you help me? Oh, this is so silly. Don't judge me yet. Um, Okay. (laughs) I love that you get these emails. Uh, Okay. (laughs) He said, can you help me make my penis bigger? And I'm like, I emailed back and said, I don't think so. I don't know that that's possible. But there's all this research on breast enlargement with hypnosis, and they've actually done clinical studies where they take a, like a beaker of water and to measure your breast, they have you dip your breast into the water to displace however much water. So that shows how, what size your breast is. And then they do hypnosis for breast enlargement. And this is research by several universities, believe it or not. So I thought, okay, well, Uh, if we can make breasts get bigger, maybe we can make penises get bigger. So this guy whose name is, uh, maybe I should I say
0: it. I'm ready for it. Is, um, it. is it Dick? Is his name Dick? It, no.
1: <laughs> Richard James what? Taylor, but not that James. Taylor. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not the one you're thinking of. There's lots of James. What Taylor
0: is that? I, but I know I truly I, I what is <laughs> what is that song by James Taylor? I'm your handyman or what is oh, it? Oh,
1: I'm a I'm a steam engine. <laughs> baby, I'm going to rock all over you or something?
0: Oh, no, wait, there's another one, but I, I, I heal broken hearts. Okay. Um, oh. all right. So anyway, I,
1: <laughs> I make him a recording and send it to him. And then he was on a business trip for a month and he's listening to it every day. And he got back to me when he got back with his wife from his business trip. And he said, You know, I had a hard time getting it in because I have grown. I am longer and thicker than I was. And he was measuring, too, the whole time. Sent me all that information. I was like, damn, That's
0: wild. We can do that? So that's (sighs) the power of the, that is the power of the mind. That yeah. if we see ourselves this way or that way, it's so funny because I remember trying on bras when I first got a bra and I was at the store with my mother. It was humiliating and it was a training bra and this, and I tried to make a little joke cause I was uncomfortable at the checkout because I, here I am, I'm a tomboy. First of all, I, you know, such a tomboy and then I'm getting a bra with a little flower on the center <laughs> of it. It's like, like, I hated it. Back then we didn't have cool, like, yeah. jog bras yeah. that like butch girls could wear. But anyway, so I'm getting and I did cut that flower off as soon as I got home. But,
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's but a clue. <laughs> get,
0: there was a clue. No
1: flowers for this lady. No,
0: a flower <laughs> and it also was larger than my breasts, so <laughs> when you wore when you wore one of these like tight shirts, you know that we had in the 70s, the little like knit shirts, would, there'd be this bump in the middle. Like it looked like a, a, a nipple in the middle of my chest. Anyway, cut and that off.
1: Why is it a training bra? What are we training our? <laughs> I got to train
0: our boobs. But she, so it was like whatever, double triple A, Flatsy Patsy. <laughs> you know that was my nickname, Flatsy Patsy. So I was buying it, and then my, my mom was buying it, and then I said, and she goes, and this will last. I can't remember how many. You know, should last you a year or something like that. And I said. I go, well, hopefully I'll outgrow it before I need yeah. another one. And my mom goes, don't hold your breath. <laughs> oh. And she, so she had small breasts. So she kind of, you know, so there you go. She put that, she put that knowing Definitely. in me that I will uh-huh. have small breasts, which now I love my small breasts because I'm yeah. a long distance runner and they're much easier to manage and
1: they're cute yeah. as hell. Okay. Well, the thing that I have discovered that isn't my discovery is all the research I've done on how. A dying cell hands its memory to the new cells. And if you change the memory of the current cells as they're dying off, we are changing the message, the information, the physical attributes of the cell that is being kind of born, right? So that's why I think that people can change their breasts or grow a bigger penis or something. Um, And also overcoming other things like people get rid of scars because a scar shouldn't stay there because you're always getting new cells. So why does a scar stay there? It's because the memory of the cell... Um, and there's a lot of people who big speakers who talk about this cellular memory and how it's passed on yeah like like so, Bruce
0: Lipton for example cuz yeah, he's yeah. Did, he was working on the human human genome project <clears throat> and he found yep. that what he had been teaching all those years about genetics was wrong that it yeah. actually is about belief that that is a bigger impact on cellular on cellular like, if you believe, like, because your parents had cancer, that you're not going to get cancer, mm-hmm. you know, that's powerful. So if you believe, oh, no.
1: Yeah.
0: Anyway, I'm, I'm interrupting you. Yeah. just I'm reinforcing what you're saying.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. And Bruce Lipton has been a huge influence in my life. He and I have talked on the phone and stuff, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> cool. Just to brag a little. I, but, but, but his Biology of Belief is his book that talks about how this happens with uh, cellular memory. So anyway, so James Taylor... He said, you know, I measured everything. It's bigger in girth and in length. and, uh, And then he got in touch with me a few months later and said the size has stayed and it hasn't gone back or anything. And I enjoy sex more and it just feels so much better to feel proud of myself and all these things. So he was the one that really started me on the path to men need a lot of help with their sex lives. And it's not just about the size of your penis, but you know, it's not a terrible thing to have a little bigger one.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you want, and if your partner, yeah. or if your partner, you know, feels more, feels more with a yeah. whatever, have the size you want. That's the message, right? What What yeah. makes you feel good about yourself? And there are yeah. the men that have a micro penis. That's got to be in this it's culture devastating. So sad, devastating. So
1: sad. Oh, devastating. It's terrible, and then you yeah. think
0: about locker room and humiliation mm-hmm. and um, God, like that's your manhood, you know? Ooh, yeah, and, yeah. and I mean, having small breasts was not as traumatic, I'm sure, even though people yeah, did. And yeah. now I've reclaimed the name Flatsy Patsy because <laughs> that's the name of my, my favorite pillow. Cause all the, any pillow that has any height, I just, it hurts my neck. So I'm like, I travel with Flatsy Patsy. I'm like, Flatsy, <laughs> I've left her in hotels and, and called like FedEx, get FedEx. I need Flatsy Patsy.
1: <laughs> it's funny. The research on breast enlargement was just so shocking to so many people um knowing and they did hypnosis for that and then measuring, you know, the breasts and doing all that just amazing the power we have to change things in our body that maybe we've lived with not just penises and breasts but with anything. What about my can, lazy eye?
0: What about my strabismus where I, I I don't have access to my binocular neurons for whatever reason um which I think is trauma related, but doesn't matter the cause. The point is, I believe I have monocular vision.
1: Right, I'd love right. to try so, it for that, Wendy. Right, we can. I have released so many- that belief and have your subconscious mind know that over a period of time that your eye came back to the most healthy, normal, best vision state. You know, and we don't want to say I won't have a lazy eye. We want to get something positive. Yeah, to the message. For the cells that are feeding your eye,
0: and I have. Well, to... Well, I'm
1: coming to Boulder. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna when go are, get on a plane right now. Okay. All right.
0: <laughs> I, I I can't fly you in the front un, in the with your pajamas, but but you know, you, I give you permission to wear pajamas in uh, economy. <laughs> yeah. I double. In fact, Wendy, I double dare you to wear pajamas in the economy uh, section and <laughs> take a picture. But you and I, and back to this really briefly, like the Inuit believe that children that are born with misaligned eyes are the visionaries. So there's a part of me, oh. well, cause I, there might be more that maybe I don't really buy into this 3d world. I don't know. But part of me is like, I got to meditate on, is it for the highest good that I have 3d vision? I don't know. I'm wow. going to ask. I'd like wow. to
1: though. I think it would help others while I'm driving. So wow. I'm make
0: everybody safer. Um, yeah.
1: Well, it's worth it. It's worth a shot because I have had all these miraculous things happen for my clients and for myself that I, Absolutely thought is not possible. And these things, you know, happen and we change and we just have to know how to send the messages to parts of our body. Um, like phantom limb pain, if someone loses a leg or limb or whatever, and they have this pain that is in a foot that they don't even have. And it's because the brain is still trying so hard to regrow or feed that foot or right. that part of your body. Right. And We can get the brain to stop doing that, and it's stopping that ferocious need to grow something back and calm down and allow it to just imagine that the foot is already there, that it's still there, and have the brain imprinted with, oh, yeah, I still have my foot or my leg or my arm, and then no more phantom pain. It's just gone beautiful so and I'm thinking eye? about the
0: application yeah. for my eye but also how many people have tinnitus or tinnitus however you like to say yeah. it I have yeah. tinnitus and they say that's a similar thing where the brain is sending signals about these sounds but it, yeah. I don't know how that starts but I bet that's another thing you could work on with hypnosis because that keeps Absolutely. people awake that causes so much insomnia and um mm-hmm. this gosh there's so many applications you're yeah. going to be busy. Do you still love doing the hypnotherapy? I know you've been doing it a long time.
1: Yeah, uh, it's still fascinating to me. I still love doing research. I love enlightening people. I love speaking to groups to tell them about it, to train other hypnotherapists too. That's, I get to go speak to big groups of hypnotherapists. And luckily people really love learning from me because I am science-based, but I'm also potential-based. What is possible? Even if you don't think it's possible, let's try anyway.
0: I love this. I love your, and and for people listening, uh, how can they, how how do they reach out to you?
1: Oh, it's so hard. You got to go to wendy.com. <laughs> that's <laughs> how early
0: Wendy. that's how early you got that website, didn't you? That yes, you got your yes. name. Who has their first name? And how do you spell I Wendy I, for people? Uh, well, it's
1: Wendy with an i instead of a y, so w e n d i.com because back in the day, my 12-year-old nephew knew how to make a web page, but like nobody else did, I guess. <laughs> so he made me a one-page web page and he had these little icons, these little, um, I don't know what you call them when they move a little bit, whatever that,
0: like a, like a gif um, or a gif or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so because I had the breast enlargement program, one of them was a side, a boob from the side and it just like got bigger, bigger, bigger. <laughs> it was very tiny. It was the littlest thing. But I think my fame was from having that fucking tit on my website. <laughs> <laughs> Great! I got it. Your nephew's
0: a genius. Great Tell marketing. Friend. Great marketing. A growing boob.
1: Yeah, twelve years old, and he made this little boob that went boop 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 boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> and it oh made the God. sound.
0: It made the sound of a boob when it got bigger. Boop boop boop. <laughs> well, I love. I love connecting in a conversation, and thank you for this deep connection today and all the wisdom.
1: So many. I've been listening to your podcast like I'm just like rabid to listen to more of your podcasts. I am hooked on you. So good. Well, (laughs) everybody out there, listen to her podcast. There's so much to love and just learn from, and and she's funny. Ah, We
0: we have have funny moments, (laughs) and you, you're the first two parter. You, there's so much here. (laughs) <laughs> um, and I mean, seriously, I think this is going to be a transformative episode for me because I feel a shift. I mean, I, ha- I still have a lot of old beliefs that I need to, to change up, you know, yeah, so yeah. you're going to help me do that. Yeah. yeah well, how cool. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks for, hey, and
0: thanks for, yeah, thanks for being a a listener and a contributor to Traumedy. Yeah,
1: yeah, thank you. Thank you. This has been so much fun. Yeah, so, okay, I'll go pack my bags. Okay. (laughs) See see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.
0: Go look at her website. There's so many programs that she offers on there. It's Wendy, W-E-N-D-I dot com. Can you imagine just having your first name as your website? That's pretty cool. Wendy.com. W-E-N-D-I. And I want to thank my son for this music. I want to thank the listeners. I'm so excited when a listener messages me and lets me know they have something that they think would be a contribution to the podcast. Thank you so much. All right. Tune in next week. Traumedy Tuesday. And here it is. My dad singing... Go tell it on the mountain at Messiah Lutheran Church, Springfield, Missouri, 1972, on a JCPenney recorder that I negotiated. I asked my mother when we were shopping for Levi's for school, because that's what, bell-bottom Levi's. I was getting some bell-bottom Levi's, and I said, Mom, could I just get one pair of jeans? Because I think I can make one pair of jeans work if I could get this tape recorder. And she did let me. So my mom... No. There were times she was cruel. There were times she was very, I felt seen and known and celebrated. So it is, it's a complicated journey, isn't it?